Hello and welcome to Fields Church. This message on living victoriously in challenging times by Pastor Richard Smith was recorded during our live online services in February 2021. We hope that you enjoy it. Amen. Thanks, Josh. I want to also thank all the guys that um, that make this possible. Everyone working really hard behind the scenes uh, to make a Sunday morning possible. We've got Joy uh, joining in as well. She's stepped up to help us. And uh, so we really appreciate that. Um, it's great to see everyone. I will welcome you. Welcome any guests that we have today. You know, I'm just thinking about what Cindy said. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness when we feel heavy and it's no doubt that we do feel heavy in the times that we're in right now it's very challenging for everybody you know someone once said that we're all in the same boat I don't believe that's true I think we're all in the same storm but your situation might be different to mine my situation might be different to yours and there are times when we do wake up and we think uh, I just don't feel like it today I'm just not myself I'm not very happy I'm a bit glum I'm not I'm not uh, content with what's happening in my life. I'm not pleased about it. But, you know, they're, they're the times to really press in and, and praise God. Really get put some worship tapes, tapes on and begin to praise God and worship him and get him right in the center of our lives. Let's start our days off praising God, worshiping him, reading our Bibles and studying. I think that's really important for us to do. Well, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into the word. Let's just bow our hearts before the Lord. Father God, we thank you. I thank you for every person joining in today. I thank you, Father God, for every heart that's open to hear what the Spirit would say to the church today. Thank you, Lord. I'm just the the messenger. You are the true teacher, Holy Spirit. I pray that you carry my words to every heart. Thank you, Lord, that the word of God is like seed and it's incorruptible seed. It will go out and accomplish that which you purpose it to do in people's lives. I thank you that every heart is open to receive the word of God that goes into the heart to produce a harvest 30, 60 and 100 fold. And if you love the Lord, you say amen. We're looking at uh, this, this series, Living Victoriously in Difficult Times. This is part two. You know, I want to ask the question, is it possible to live victoriously when things are really difficult? Or can we only live victoriously when things are going good? I'm going to serve God when things are going good. That's it. I'm on top. I'm on fire. I really want to, I want to praise God, get him in, in my life and, and worship him. Uh, do we do that only when times are going good? Or is it good to do that when times aren't so good? And times aren't so good at the moment, are they? They're not really in the natural. You know, we don't, uh, I want to say that that word victorious means having won a victory and it means triumphant you know we don't have to fight our enemies to gain victory Christ has done that for us already our enemy is already defeated have you got your got your got your feet on the ground there you know where's the devil he's under our feet why don't you just crush his head for a minute there that's it and we're all we're to do is to enforce the victory by pressing in and pressing on with God with all that God has for us today If you want to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 12, I'm going to try and give you the heads up if I can to to give uh, these scriptures out. Uh, You can turn to Hebrews 12. If you're taking notes, have you got your Bibles this morning? Got your Bibles, got your electronic devices? If you like taking notes, take notes. If you don't like taking notes, take notes anyway. Turn with me to Hebrews 12. And you can make a note of these next three scriptures. Then after that, you're on your own. Is that all right? 
Okay, John 15, just make a note of these. Acts 8 and Acts 20. So how are we all doing? How's the family doing? How are the mums coping? The mums and dads at home with young children, schooling young children. You're really on my hearts all the time. We're praying for you every day. We know it's really difficult holding down jobs, homeschooling, looking after your family, dealing with life, trying to get to church. You know, I find the most things that we go through in life are tests. Not that God would bring the tests, but he can help us get through the tests when they do come. And he might allow them sometimes. And the the question I always ask when we go through difficult times is, what can I learn? Esther and I ask the question, what can I learn for what I'm going through? Is this something that I need to learn? Is this something that I need to do? Do I need to step up my time with God? You know, pray more, seek God more, read my Bibles more. And how do we respond as Christians to life's challenges? How are we meant to respond with the things that we're facing? So I'm going to carry on from last week. And we're going to have a look at this word around enduring, to look at enduring in these challenging times. And I know some of us just don't So I'm tired of enduring, Lord, no more. I don't want to endure anymore. How many more times have I got to endure? And we, last week we went through the prophecy of Isaiah, who prophesied, I think it was about 700 years before Jesus came to die on a cross. And how he responded to the physical pain and the emotional pain that he must have gone through. Just living with his people, people rejected him, they hated him and they wanted to kill him and crucify him. Uh, I don't think any of us have faced that this week, have we? I don't think so. And you know what? These lessons we can learn from Jesus are really important lessons for us to learn. And we're going to have a look at the life of Paul uh, this morning a little bit to see how he responded to suffering and persecution. And finally, how we're meant to respond to the challenges of life as Christians living in our world today. Okay, you're in Hebrews 12 yet. We're going to read from verse 1. This is the new living. And the writer of Hebrews compares the Christian life to a race. How many of you like running? You know that we're in a race. Are you on the racetrack? Or have you veered off the racetrack a little bit, left or right? You know, the Bible says that the road, the path we're on is very narrow and few find it. And there are many distractions in this life, aren't there, that can take us off course. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about in Hebrews 12 verse 1. Are you there? Put your hand up if you have. Put your thumbs up if you have. Put your thumbs up if you haven't. It's too bad if you haven't. Okay, no grace this morning. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. You know, these witnesses are those men and women of old who have gone before us, whose lives were set as an example for us, for us to look at. So everyone we read in the Bible, were their lives perfect? Did they make mistakes? And God still had a plan and a purpose for them, despite most of them making multiple mistakes, multiple uh, problems that they faced. And, uh, and they had multiple problems, but they came through and God believed in them like he believes in you. Amen. And I meant to say, you know, if you're in a storm right now, I want to say that God's in the boat with you this morning. OK, carry on. Verse one. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Everyone say endurance. Endurance. The race God has set before us. You know, as a point of interest, when it says 
stripping off every weight that slows us down. You know, athletes, how many athletes have we got here this morning? How many runners, how many people go running? You know, athletes today, runners today, uh, especially those in the, that run professionally and p- compete professionally, would wear tight clothing, wouldn't they? Like lycra or something like that. And that's what this is talking about. You know, in ancient Greece, the competitors in a race used to compete. This is really shocking. And I know this is Sunday and I know this is church. Can I mention this word in church? They used to run naked. Number one, because they liked, they enjoyed the, 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 the physical physique. They liked the physique, right? But secondly, so that if they had anything heavy on, that that wouldn't encumber them in their race. And interesting, <laughs> interestingly enough, the word gymnasium comes from the word gymnos. That means that's the Greek for nude. Can you believe that? How many runners have we got there this morning? Just remember to put your lycra on when you go out. Okay, moving on, verse two, New King James. It says, looking unto Jesus. We're talking about enduring. We're talking about running a race. We're talking about enduring while we're running this race. Looking unto Jesus. Come on, let's keep our focus on Jesus and not on the challenges we're facing. Otherwise, we're going to get depressed. Some people are still smiling about the nude thing. I'm sorry. Just wipe that from your minds. Press rewind. Press pause. Press stop. That's it. Let's not focus on all the challenges that we're facing. Our news is depressing and it's good to catch up with the news. But we've got to keep our focus on Jesus. Let's carry on reading. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know that he, God, has begun a good work in you. Say that after me. God has begun a good work in me. Turn to your neighbour and say, you're a good work. Poke the person on your right and say, you're a good work. Poke the person on your left and say you're a good work. And it says he is faithful to complete that work in you. But you've got to stay on the racetrack. You've got to stay competing. You've got to stay running and you've got to stay fit. You know, run, no runners think I'm going to do a marathon and I'm just going to lounge about and laze about for the next 12 months. The marathon, marathons in 12 months. What have they got to do before they compete? Really? If they want to run that race well, they've got to train, haven't they? They've got to eat right, sleep right, and they've got to train and continue running. It's the same for us. Look at this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our face, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, if you're taking notes, write this down. That word endurance in the Greek means this, to carry on through hardships, to bear with tolerance, to suffer patiently without yielding. Sure, these are tough things, aren't they? To persevere under misfortunes and trials. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bear bravely and calmly ill treatment. You know, this was Jesus' response when he died on the cross for the joy the joy that was set before him endured the cross and its shame because he could see the day that you and I would give our lives to Jesus. He didn't think about his own life. He didn't think about the suffering maybe that he went through. His focus was on you and me and everyone else that might have given their lives after Jesus died and rose again. Let's go back to verse one again, Hebrews 12, and let us run 
with endurance the race God has set before us. So we're in a race. It's a race of endurance. We've got to keep going. Let's not give up. Let's not give in. Let's not hinder. Let's not let allow anything to hinder or distract, distract us when the going gets tough. We're in a marathon. We're not in a sprint. We're here for the long haul, aren't we? You know, there's an example. I want to give an example. There's a race. There's a race in... Oh, okay. Have I done that? Can no one unmute me? How did I do that? Or did someone do that for me? Okay, great. Thank you. I thought you were waving at me because you were enjoying what I was saying. No, you're waving at me. Turn your mic on, Pastor. What's going on? There's a race in South Africa, and it's the oldest long-distance ultramarathon. It's 56 miles and takes up to 12 hours to run the race. I know some of you, I know Nathan's a bit of a runner. I know Tim's a runner. I can't see Tim here this morning. Um, Tim's a bit of a runner. Oh, he is there. Everyone's pointing down. Anyway, I can't see him on my screen. And in this race in South Africa, they would do this ultra marathon and it would be pretty warm. I can't remember what month they do it in, but I'm sure it's pretty warm. It's not freezing. And, you know, these guys would run their race and they'd get a medal and they've got to do it within 12 hours to get the medal. And you see pictures of this. We used to sit and watch it. See pictures of these, these runners. And some of them were collapsing. Some were almost at the finish line, almost there. And people would stop and risk losing their medal. And they'd go and pick these people up and carry them over the line. Isn't that amazing? You know, guys, we need to help each other get over the line. When we're really struggling, if you find people that are struggling, like someone like Cindy or anyone else that you know might be struggling, let's, let's contact these people and say, how are you doing? And help them across the line. Let's encourage them and spur them on. Because living this Christian life isn't a bunch of roses, is it? It's not easy. It's not easy to live this, this Christian life. So we're on this racetrack. We've got to keep going. If you want to turn with me to John 15 verse 20, I just want to carry on reminding us that sometimes we think when we go through things, we think we're the only ones, number one, going through things. And we think no one else is. And sometimes things come in twos, threes and fours, don't they? It's one problem after another. And sometimes we think, Lord, what's going on? I'm a Christian and I don't know what's going on. I'm facing all these difficulties, all these challenges. The boiler's broke. By the way, our boiler broke, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago now. And they fitted a new boiler And the heating's still not working properly. But Esther and I are rejoicing, aren't we, babe? We're rejoicing. I could be out in the snow, in the cold, sleeping rough. I praise God I've got a roof over my house. Over my house. That's, That's good to know, isn't it? I've got a roof over my head. I've had breakfast this morning. I'm seeing all you lovely people. I'm just so blessed. I've got a gas fire and that's on and that's pumping out the heat. So I'm doing good. Are you doing good? You nice and warm and toasty. Uh, don't worry about us if we are freezing, will you? Anyway, John fifteen twenty, New King James. Are you there yet? Jesus warned his disciples. How many disciples have we got here? Jesus warned his disciples, in this world, you're going to have trouble. He, he spelt it out for those guys and he spelt it out for us as well. Let's have a look at John 15, verse 20. He says, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, They will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. You know, Peter and John were arrested. And when they prayed for a lame man who was healed, 
just for doing a good thing before God, they got chucked in prison. Stephen was stoned to death for his faith. Saul imprisons many Christians. King Herod kills James and imprisons Peter. Jews and Gentiles stone Paul and Barnabas. You know, if you want to turn with me to Acts chapter 8, that's the next verse of scripture that we're going to look at. You know, a great persecution arose just before in in Acts chapter 8, we can see that. If you can imagine the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and he preaches a message. 3,000 people come to Jesus. This is the church in Jerusalem and the, the church is gathering in Jerusalem and it's gaining momentum. Many, many people are coming to Jesus. So this church could have been about 5,000 strong and they're all having a great time and whooping it up and going crazy and have a great time on a Sunday or Saturday when they went to synagogue. And I know we do that on a Sunday, but we can see in Acts chapter eight that a great persecution rose against the church and the people of God. So if you want to go down to Acts eight, verse four, we want to see how did they respond? Did they give up? Let's see how they responded to this persecution. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So the apostles stayed in Jerusalem and everybody in the church went everywhere preaching the gospel. You know, how was God going to get the gospel out to the known world at, the, at, the, at that time in history if everybody was going to stay in Jerusalem? What did Jesus say? You're going to preach in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the utter ends of the world. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So I believe persecution came, came and I believe God allowed it so that the gospel could go to the known world. Praise God, those early disciples never gave up because we wouldn't be here, would we? What if they'd have given up and said, this is too hard for me. I can't do this anymore. And maybe sometimes we might think like that as Christians. We come to the point in our lives when we think, I just can't stand this lockdown. We've been in next month. It will be one year since we had lockdown. 15th of February, 15th of March, we had a service. CYM came and they had the service. The next week we had lockdown and we thought, well, maybe how long is this going to go on for? One week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, 10 weeks, three months, six months, nine months, 10 months. We're nearly a year. And I want to say to you guys, well done. Well done for sticking with it. I know it's really difficult and I know it's really challenging and I know it's really hard, but stick with it. Let's try and support one another. It's just great to see so many faces, so many people here today. And it really encourages me having these live services. And I think this is the great way to go at the moment. There's, there's no way that I think we can meet. I think it's the most responsible thing for us to do, to continue doing these live services as long as we're able. And I know some of us are sick of Zoom. We're pretty Zoomed out. But, you know, this is a great mechanism for us to connect because how would we connect if we didn't have Zoom? This is probably the only way to do it. And I, I want to bless you. And I want to say, <laughs> I want to give you a big thanks for supporting the church and sticking with it and supporting one another. Come on, carry on. Point, your, point to your neighbour and nudge him and say, I want to support you. Nudge your neighbour the other side and say, come on, let's continue on this race together. You know, it's no good for the church to have thrived in Jerusalem. The known world needed the gospel. And I believe that's why persecution came. You're in Acts, go down to Acts chapter 20. 
I'm going to preach myself happy this morning. How are you all doing? Are you okay? How are we doing for time? Or oh, another three hours to go yet? Good, good, good. I remember a time when Paul preached all night and some geezer fell out of the window and died and they prayed for him and he was raised up. I promise I won't do that today. If I see you, if I see you leaning over and sort of falling asleep, if you see someone falling asleep, turn your unmute off and say, hey, wake up. Okay, Acts 20, 22. Are you there yet? New King James. And see, this is Paul now. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains, look at that, chains and tribulations await me. You know, the New Living says in verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and persecution lie ahead. So Paul said, you know, I'm not up for this, Jack. I didn't sign up for this. This isn't my lot. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. All these things are coming against me. I'm not going. And he says the Holy Spirit said in each city, chains and persecution was going to get it was going to be his portion at that particular time. So how did Paul respond? What did he say in verse 24? Look at that. But none of these things move me. Come on. Can we say that when we face challenges? You are not facing that kind of persecution. How many face jail today? Nobody. Aren't you glad you're just free? You're here at church. You're not in the best hospital in town. You're not in the best prison in town. He said, none of these things move me. He said, am I bothered? He's not really bothered about this. Jail and suffering awaited him in every city. But he goes on to say in verse 24, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may what? You've got your Bibles here. What does it say? Finish my race with what? Sadness. Finish my race with what? With joy. See, if Nathan went out running with joy, he'd be with joy, wouldn't he? He'd finish his race with joy if they were running together. Come on. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul spoke about finishing his race with joy. What did Jesus do? He did the same thing. He finished his race with joy. You know, Jesus wasn't concerned with his own life. The joy for him to see us come to faith awaited him. That's why he was joyous. And it's the same with Paul. He knows that prison awaits him. He's going to face persecution, tests and trial, but he's going to finish his race with joy. His race with joy. What about you? Are you going to run your race with joy? I know it's not joyful sometimes running the race that we face with the challenges that we face. But come on, let's encourage one another. Let's spur one another on not to give up, to keep on the racetrack. Amen. Nudge your neighbor and say, you're still running. Are you still on the track? You know, we've not faced this kind of persecution that those guys faced. None of us have gone to jail uh, lately, have we? You know, did Paul know that all these things were going to await him before he went and started his ministry? You know, Paul was Saul before God called him into ministry and God met him on the road to Damascus. We're going to go to Acts chapter 9, verse 15. I'm going to read from the easy read version. And, you know, uh, Paul was commissioned to jail Christians prior to his uh, calling. And uh, they were persecuted Christians and many of them were killed and tortured. 
but he was traveling to Damascus. And we want to pick up the story in Acts 9.15. The easy read version says this. I quite like this version. It says, but the Lord Jesus said to Ananias, he spoke to this guy called Ananias and he said, go to the street called Straight. You're going to meet a man called uh, Saul. I want you to pray for him. And this is what's happening here. And it says, go, I have chosen Saul for important work. I want him to tell other nations, their rulers and the people of Israel about me. Verse 16, I will show him all that he must, what? Suffer for me. So he knew this beforehand, but he was determined he's going to run his race with joy. The next verse of scripture I want to go to is 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. You know, so Paul knew before his ministry that he was going to have to face the kind of things that he did face in his life. But he wasn't deterred by that. He's going to run his race with endurance and he's going to run it with joy. What about the people that he trained up? Uh, There was a young man called Timothy that he was training up. And he said to this young guy, Timothy, listen, Timothy, you give your life to Jesus. You're never going to have another problem again. You're never going to have to face the trials and troubles and challenges that I face. And my pastor told me the same thing. The moment you give your life to Jesus, all your problems are over. Are they over for you? Have you had problems? Have you had challenges? I've had problems and challenges. They're not, not over for me. But what does Paul encourage Timothy? Look at these encouraging words. 2 Timothy 2 verse 3, it says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. How would you have responded if your pastor told you that? Well, I'm telling you that right now. We must expect to endure hardship sometimes. You know that word hardship in the Greek means this, to suffer troubles, to be afflicted. It means severe suffering. You know, notice Paul didn't say to Timothy, when hardship comes, what we'll do is we'll get a, we'll get a prayer meeting together and we'll begin to pray against hardship. We'll begin to pray against uh, uh, persecution. No, he didn't say this shouldn't be happening to Christians. He said, we've got to endure hardships like a what? A good soldier of Jesus Christ. Have we got any soldiers here today? You know, we're all in the army of God, aren't we? And Timothy should endure hardships. If he's meant to endure hardship, then we should expect it as well. Go down to verse 4. New King James says this. You okay? Tired about hearing about hardship. Sorry about this. No one engaged in warfare. Are we engaged in any kind of warfare? Mm? But our weapons are not carnal, are they? They're mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds. God's given us weapons. Have you got your armor on today? You know, a lot of Christians go out of the front door. They're too, they're too quick to rush out the front door, say a quick prayer and rush out without putting their armor on. We need the helmet of salvation, don't we? We've got to put the full armor of God on so that we can stand against what? The wiles or schemes of the evil one. He wants to trip you up. He wants to get you off the racetrack. And with some, sadly, with some Christians, he's managed to get them off the racetrack. They're not on the track anymore. They're just cruising and sitting on their deck chairs. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Anyway, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. 
you know, the affairs of this life can weigh us down or what the Bible says, the cares of this world can come in. In Mark 4, it talks about the cares of this world coming in and choking the word. You know, the devil wants to choke the word in your life. He's not bothered whether you go to church or not. He's not bothered whether Christians go to church or not. But he is bothered when we get the church, the, 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 the life of God, the very word of God in our hearts. And we begin appropriating that word uh, in our hearts, reaching others for Jesus. This, that's the thing that he doesn't want. He doesn't care if you go to church or not, <clears throat> but he's worried about the word going into your heart. Because in Mark 4, it talks about what does he do? He comes immediately when the word is preached to steal the word from our hearts. Amen. Come on, that's why we've got to store the word of God in our hearts so that when problems and challenges come, we've got the word of God that we can use. These are some of the weapons that we have to wield against the enemy. Like our Bibles is the sword of the spirit, isn't it? Got to know the word. Amen. Can you say amen if you can't say oh me? Okay, that he may please him. Let me read that all again. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he, look at this, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier? Who enlisted Timothy as a soldier? Well, Paul had some part in it, but that was God's plan for Timothy and it was God's plan for Paul. And there's two things we can note in these verses. We only have to please God. We only have to please God in this life. I'm not here to please man. I'm not here to please the church. I'm here to please God. And I'm pleasing God by doing the things that he's called me to do. And that's what God wants each and every one of us, to please God with what he's called us to do, whatever it might be. Amen? Because we're all cogs in a wheel in this machine called the church. And we're meant to propagate the gospel despite the challenges and stuff we, we face in life. And the second thing we see in, this, these verse, in these verses is that he's enlisted us. We didn't volunteer. He enlisted us. Let's look at verse 5, going down to verse 5. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. Look at that. Paul is writing to Timothy. But you know what? Paul is also writing. These letters are relevant for us today. And I want to say to you, God is speaking to us today about this very thing. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. And fully carry out the ministry God has given you. God has given each one of you a ministry in some way to be part of this living church. The church of Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus is alive and he's alive in us. And he went about doing good. Those early disciples went about doing good. Up to Jesus' crucifixion and his death and his resurrection, those, those disciples were a bunch of muppets. They were afraid. They were scared. But after his resurrection, when they saw him, they saw his hands and feet. They were willing to go into the known world to die if necessary. And all of those guys did. Those early apostles did, apart from John, who was exiled on the, on, on, on the uh, island of Patmos. And, you know, God is calling us, each one of us, to do our bit to further the kingdom of God. So what we're doing, what you and I for doing, what you and I are doing for Jesus has an eternal perspective with eternal consequences. We're talking about eternal things. God has placed 
on us the responsibility, each one of us, to propagate the gospel in some way. How do we do that? One person at a time. If one person in the church said, if this was our goal in January, January the 1st, and you said, every person in the church said, you know what, this year, I'm going to win one person to Christ. And I've got 12 months to do it. If one person won one, the church would double in a year, wouldn't it? So if there were 100 of us and each one won one, that's 200, isn't it? And that's one person in one year. Is that a challenge that we could take on? Three or four hands I can see there. <laughs> I'm so, so appreciative. And I know many of you, how, and how do we do that? We witness to our friends and family. We share the love of God like Jean did. Jean, and I know many of you have done this. And I'm not getting on your case. Please hear me. The pastor said, now I've got a load of trouble, so I've got to go out and witness to my neighbours. That's a good thing to do. But Jean said to her friends, they're not Christians. We're going to pray for you and our church is going to pray for you. We get many requests, and I'm sure you do, from friends and family, especially during this time of lockdown and COVID. We receive requests all the time from people that say, look, I know I've got some friends going into hospital. They've gone into hospital. They're very sick. Will you pray for them? And we started to pray for those people. It's just about loving people. You, you've got people on your mission field. That's the people you work with, the people you go to school with, the people you go to college with, your next door neighbours, your friends, your family. And we need to be sharing the love of Jesus, especially in these difficult, challenging times. And we see more people turning to faith now than ever before around the world. Amen. And if we just did our little bit, do the things that God is calling you to do. And I know, I know God will empower you and give you the courage and the strength to witness to your friends and family. How amazing is it? I sit with, with Esther and we, we pray a lot. And when we pray together personally on our own, we think about the many people that we've seen come to Christ. And then we see them on their journey. You begin to nurture them and encourage them. They've been taken right out of darkness and brought into light. That's eternal. They're on their way to heaven. Amen. How exciting is that when we see that? We see lives changed. We've seen lives changed every day. We've seen lives changed over nearly 40 years I've been a Christian and 28 years as a full-time pastor. We see many people come to faith. And isn't it amazing to see lives that you, do, you just think, gee, how did that person come to Christ? You know, we just got to share. God does the work in them. He'll start the work in them. He'll finish the work in them. We've just got to share our faith with others. You know, this is why the church exists. We may be in lockdown, but come on, guys, let's not shut down. Heaven's not in lockdown. God's not in lo lockdown. He's on the move. Are we? God is constantly on the move and his church should be constantly on the move. Let's have a look at what Paul goes on to say in verse six. As for me. My life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. He knows now that he's going to die. Verse 7, I have fought thee. It was such a terrible fight and I didn't enjoy it. And I don't know why I'm doing it. It was terrible. Now, what did he say? I have fought the good fight. We're in a good fight. 
We have good news to share with everybody, not bad news like we're, wish, like we're witnessing. What does he go on to say? I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. Come on. I want to stir you up, guys, to keep on the racetrack. I want to stir you up to finish your race with joy. Paul is in prison. He's in isolation. He's isolated. He knows he's about to die, but he says, I have finished my race. I've remained faithful. He knows God's grace has given him all the strength he needs to do what he's called to do. You think, how am I going to do this? If we think about that in our own strength, we'll never do it. God lives in us and he will give us the strength and the grace to get through. I'm coming into land. Verse eight. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. He could be in prison. He was in prison. Many times he was beaten. But the gospel was not changed. And he wrote all these letters to the churches to encourage them not to give in, not to give up. The gospel isn't chained. You're free. The gospel is in you. And we need to get out there and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Verse 10. Look at this. What does he say? Then I endure a few things. Is that what he says? He says, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. That's us that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You know, Paul's more concerned with the people he's witnessing to than his own life. He knows he's going to die, but he's poured his life out, poured his life into the gospel to preach so that people can come to be Christians like him. Verse 11. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him... We shall also live with him. Verse 12. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. We're called to reign in this life. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. If we endure, guys, we will reign with him. You know, you might say that's okay for Jesus, Paul and Timothy, but what does God expect from us? How are we to respond? And that's the whole point of this teaching. How are we we to respond to challenges and the problems that we're facing as Christians? Just quickly turn with me to Romans 8.16, if you would. And then lastly, Hebrews 11. So Romans 8.16, the New King James The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Look at this. Look at this. If indeed we suffer with him, that they may also be glorified together. Are we God's children? I really don't believe Christ wants us to suffer. He died and suffered in our place. I really do believe that. But what if we're called to it? Are we going to suffer and allow that suffering to shape us and mold us into the person Jesus wants us to be? You know, suffering is a universal part of humanity that exists in a fallen world. 
And when sin entered the human race, so did suffering and death. And I'm not saying we have to be joyful in the suffering, but we can be joyful in spite of that suffering. So in light of what I've just read, how are we going to respond? We need faith. We need strength. We need courage in these days. We also need endurance. Lastly, I want to look. If you want to just turn with me to Hebrews 11, I'm going to read from verse 35, the Passion Translation. Now, this is called, this is like the Heroes Hall of Fame. And we read some really interesting things in here about people that have gone before us, that have preached their gospel, lived for Jesus, they've run their race. Let's have a look at some of the things that they went through. Hebrews 11.35, the Passion. Yet it was faith that enabled others to endure great atrocities. They were stretched out on the wheel and tortured and didn't deny their faith in order to be freed because they longed for a more honourable and glorious resurrection. Verse 36, others were mocked and experienced the most severe beating and whips. They were in chains and imprisoned. Verse 37, some of these faith champions were brutally killed by stoning. Look at this, being sawn in two or slaughtered by the sword. These lived in faith as they went about wearing goatskins and sheepskins for clothing. They lost everything they possessed. They endured great afflictions and they were greatly mistreated. They wandered the earth, living in the desert, wilderness, in caves, on barren mountains and in holes in the earth. Truly the world was not even worthy of them not realizing who they were. These were the true heroes, commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised. Wow, that's amazing. Verse 40. But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had, faith's fullness. This is so that they could be brought to finished perfection alongside of us. So they faced great affliction and persecution that we would ever face. And I want to read the last, sorry, this is the last verse, Hebrews 3.13, if you want to go there for me. And they are great examples for us to follow. You're right there in Hebrews. Go down to, uh, go back to Hebrews 3 verse 13. I want to read this as I close now. Hebrews 3.13, you might know what this means. But encourage each other every day. How often have we got to encourage one another? Every day. I don't know about you, it's tough being a Christian, but what would we do without Jesus? What do people do without Jesus? They have no hope. We have the hope of the world and Jesus is the anchor for our souls. Amen. Encourage each other every day while you still have something to call today. Help each other so that none of you will be fooled by sin and become too hard to change. We have the honour of sharing in all that Christ has if we continue to the end to have the sure faith we had in the beginning. Come on, let's endure to the end. The Bible says those endure to the end will be saved. Those endure to the end. We haven't finished our race yet, guys. We need to encourage one another to stay on the racetrack. Amen. Let's close our eyes and let's just pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this message. These are tough messages, Lord. They they are challenging messages. But Lord, the church of Jesus Christ 
needs to be challenged in these days. We cannot be passive. We cannot just sit by and watch people who don't know Jesus going through what they go through at the moment. Father, you've commissioned us to go into every corner of the world and praise God for those early disciples. They went on long journeys, long journeys to preach the gospel. And they did that to the known world. That's how we've become. That's how we've come to know Jesus. And Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together. Despite this message being challenging and a little bit tough, Father, it's meant to spur us on, to keep on the racetrack, to stay in the race, to win our race and to run our race with endurance so that we can run it with joy. And I encourage every person that's part of our fellowship, Father, to get stuck in and to just go about doing all that God has called them to do. And lastly, I want to say to those of us that are here Maybe for the first time, maybe you're, you've come to fields and this is the first message you've heard. And maybe I'm speaking to you. Or maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus. And I don't believe you're here by accident. I believe God has been knocking on the door of your heart. But the handle to that door is on the inside of your heart. Would you open up your heart and ask God to come into your life and save you? If you'd like to do that, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you'd like to say that after me, just pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you now. I ask you to forgive me for my sin. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me, suffered for me. I believe you were buried, but I believe on the third day you rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my life and save me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. We're going to. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Fields Church, would like to contact us or have prayer requests, please email hello at fieldschurch.uk and we'll get back to you. May God bless you this day.